0: Yes, 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 yes,
1: yes, yes. Welcome. Yes. There we go. Credits.
2: Credits.
0: Are you You gotta be like hip hop. Like this is like a microphone. I bro. I never said here
1: comes trouble. Here comes the
0: danger. When you hear that, you know Yoda's close to the mic. The danger's coming, the trouble and all that.
2: <laughs> I'm about to fire you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yo, yo, what's up? What's up? This is the Black Russian Podcast, season two. I am your co-host Tian Buku One,
2: and I am Yula.
0: Yeah, one word, one name. I always forget. Yes. I'm waiting for like the rest of it <laughs> to come in. Uh, Yes, we are back. Yes, we are here. No, we didn't get canceled. No, we didn't disband. No, Yoda didn't get a solo deal from some podcast company (laughs) and just left me in the dust. We are still here. We just took a little time to let the season one marinate, let people catch up if they dare or are so inclined. Uh, And now we come back with season two post part pandemic part one, I guess.
2: And I wonder why we didn't, like, start the new season at episode 50, but at 49.
0: You know, because we do it our own way. We're not, uh, we're not syndicated. We're not on any pod network or anything like that. We can do it how we want to do it. So we chose 49 to start anew. So this is what we're getting into. For those of you guys have never heard us, welcome to the Black Russian Podcast, where we are real, honest, write your own vows, write your own script. What we will say, like we always say, we do not advocate any relationship style or structure over the next. We don't advocate monogamy, non-monogamy, polyamory, or any form over the other. What we do advocate is pro-empowerment, pro-encouragement, and relationships that give you the freedom to grow, evolve, expand, and change as you wish. We are anti-mandate. We are anti-mandated monogamy. We are anti-mandated non-monogamy. Anything that makes you move against your will and not being able to be amended, that's what we're against. So that's where we started all the time. And also, this is not about sex. Can oh, we just start a there? Oh, that's in new addition. Yeah. yes.
2: Most of it is not.
0: Non-monogamy or the opportunity to make your own decisions about how many people you should connect with or not is not about sex. It's about your freedom to choose who you want to connect with and how.
2: And if you want to connect And them. if,
0: yes. So it's not about, oh, we're non-monogamous, that means we have sex with hella people. It's like, no, we're non-monogamous, meaning we can choose to not see anybody for years, or see one every other month, or see as many as we choose. And it's the decision that's based upon our own individual path, not on a mandate. So I think Yoda has a quote, so we'll go into that before we go into the rest.
2: My quote very naturally goes into what you were just talking about, Okay, which is kind of nice. Uh, So what resonated with me uh, over the last week is this quote that makes me grateful for the space that I created for myself, mostly during COVID, and then feeling the benefits of it. Uh, So it goes, people think they're competing with other suitors when dating me, but really, I'm comparing you to my own solitude. That's the competition. Is your company better than being alone? Am I growing around you like I do when I'm alone? Do I feel safe? Is there joy? Is there peace? Right. And that pretty much describes the choices that we are making. Is it worth spending time with someone that uh, does not help me feel as good as I have learned to feel when I'm by myself? Right.
0: Does that person create um, the nourishment that makes it worth the investment? And I understand what you're saying, because, you know, part of it is like, you know, in the last few months, we've been kind of uh, attempting to move around more. Definitely doing more business wise, creative wise, you know, connecting with friends and stuff like that. But what we're finding is hard is during COVID, it was pretty much just us. And I saw one other person once a week. So we created a full life of activities and downtime that fully nourished us, like we did all of that in house. Yep. Didn't didn't need it or require anybody else. Partially because we, you know, that wasn't even an option. So we had to really get even better at filling those spaces on our own, being very self referral. Now, getting into this part of COVID where we're kind of going out and we're open, we got our OK Cupid profiles cracking and all these things. We're trying to figure out what are we going to let go of or make room so another person or people can come in to be a part of this creation of nourishment that we need. And so the people that we connect with have to fit and have to be worth it. Otherwise, we can continue to do what we've been doing and just right. generate our own and, and have it be the high grade we want. So in other words, an analogy of restaurants, it's like you know, during COVID, we learn to grow our own food even more, expand what we grow, and expand the ways we can prepare our food and make it extremely nourishing for us. So if we're going to take days and not do that and decide to go to a restaurant or to someone's house to cook for us, it has to be at least worth it for us to do that. Otherwise, we can just stay home and cook and have our own nourishment. Now, I mean, of course, um, it doesn't have to be exactly as good as we make it because part of you know investing in new people is just you just don't know. But right. with the best amount of filters and patience and gauges as possible.
2: Right. That was my next question. You know, like the next, the next uh, challenge is to figure out where are those spaces that are worth leaving solitude and our house and our own company to go and spend time there.
0: Right. It's tricky. I mean, just, you know, me... You know, we both got our okay cupid profiles back in the mix. Yoda's got men and women. Mine is the same. You know, we're all kind of back in it, like we're back interacting. And, you know, I'm doing my proactive reaching out when I feel like it and interacting. And is doing her fielding because, as you know, for men and women, it's very different. Women usually field lots of people coming in and, um, you know, trying to court. I guess you can say it. Right. And uh, men are usually the ones proactively reaching out and courting.
2: But I, like, I have to tell you that the, this time is super calming to me because I feel like there is less interest in spending a lot of time trying to sort through people mm-hmm. and more time trying to just working on maintaining the good, solid balance of feeling calm and steady. and. I can feel pretty quickly what unnerves me and what keeps me in that balance.
0: All right. And that's a really um, valuable, I guess, gift to yourself that you've yeah. gained during COVID. So talk a little bit about that. Um.
2: Uh, well, the time during COVID, I think what was important was, you know, being so... Um, I guess devoid of rush was the biggest gift to me. There was no, I felt like there's really all the rush left the building completely. And then what was left were the things that I either needed to do to maintain the household or wanted to do. And those things, none of them were a huge priority. Like if I wanted to work out in the middle of the day, I could if I wanted to work out in the morning, I can you know like i can i I found myself being able to create my own options better and listen to myself better uh as to what works for me and what does not right, and I think that is the biggest contributor to understanding where my actual natural balance is in terms of how do I like to feel? Like, was it boring for me to be at home and not interact with people beyond my close, you know, friends, uh, all virtual, you know, and be inside of our house? Or was it, was I looking for something else? And the cool answer was that, like, there was not a lot that I was looking for. Therefore, that's a great neutral starting point. Right. Like, it's a balance point. So when you start from there and you go uh, to add ingredients to that mix, it's kind of easy to understand what's contributing and what's taking away. Right. Because you sit for a year and a half getting used to being calm and steady, and then something comes in and it throws you off balance. Unless you're trying not to pay attention, like to me it's pretty quick that I can feel, like it takes me a few hours and I'm like, ooh, what am I feeling? Well, I've been talking to this person and it's kind of making me feel this way. Well, all right, well, dial it down. You don't have to talk to that person.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, that's real. And for me... You know, I've really been focusing on boiling down what are my core metrics of nourishment that help guide me through all areas of my life? Like, what are the core nourishments I need that I can look for through romantic relationships, friendships, business relationships, personal experiences, activities within myself, and so on and so forth? And what I boiled it down to is I need steady high levels of joy, gratitude, and enthusiasm, And those are my core metrics. It's not about I want a woman with big booty or I want to go skating or I want to paint or I want, you know, this type of business opportunities. Like I want all types of experiences that generate high levels of joy, gratitude and enthusiasm. And that lets me know based upon those levels whether I should invest more in this person, in this activity, in this relationship or divest. And that's helped me simplify Gauging how who, what, when, where, and how, and why, so if I go meet somebody in a hangout when I leave there, I can literally listen to myself and be like, joy, gratitude, enthusiasm, and I look at that read and it either is mid, high, or right. low, and if it's low, it gives me at least okay, why was it low? Maybe it's because it's brand new, maybe you're not comfortable, but you're you're aware of the levels because some people some activities will come into your life that will seem like great things but will destabilize you make you feel maybe more nervous make you feel more anxious Um, and if your core state you want to be in is for you is steady and calm then the things that destabilize that might want to be put in question just like for me if I'm around even like for example skateboarding there's a period of time where me skateboarding is not bringing me joy Gratitude, enthusiasm—meaning I'm more frustrated, I'm more angry, I'm more um, disheartened—then I don't need to be skateboarding at that time, because I need to be s- constantly intaking and generating joy, gratitude, and enthusiasm, um, and that's kind of been the benefit for me of the of the COVID really like strong reduction of outer object referral engagements, partnerships, interactions.
2: Right. And that kind of brings us to, you know, being non-monogamous in whether relationship in either relationships or anything that we do doesn't mean that you need to accumulate as many people or as many activities as you possibly can just because you're allowed to. Right. Like you might need one person and that's plenty you might need, you know, during this particular time. Right. You know or long term or whatever you might go between you know your partner and maybe another person or maybe your partner and five people during this time, but then it just it just not it like it it's it's not a numbers game or a prescribed recipe right it's that, whatever yeah. works for you, like you know my my wonderful mix of Uh, you know, joyful activities during COVID was my own mix. Right. Like, I created it because certain things felt really good. Right. They were not Teon's mix. We lived, you know, in the same house, perfectly happy with different mixes. Right,
0: different balances. And that's what we try to reiterate and and hammer over the head (laughs) when we have these conversations. Because, you know, like, for example... You know, in this new chapter of me on OKCupid, looking for new people to build with, um, I've come across you know a handful who have been really really cool, um, but most of them are very unexperienced about non-monogamy at any at all, and so a lot of the questions and assumptions are these ones like, well, you know, I I tried once, I dated somebody once in non-monogamous and it didn't work out for me. You know, or, you know, I just don't I don't think non monogamy is for me because I just don't see myself having sex with a bunch of different people. You know, you hear these things like that and we're and I have to like calm myself so I don't get sarcastic and stuff like that because it's truly. Do you, brand you ever new to get them.
2: sarcastic? Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Do you ever get sarcastic?
0: You know, I've been known to a little bit, but you know, I try to I try to keep it to a minimum when we're actually Interacting with somebody who this is truly brand new for and just because it's brand new doesn't mean how dare you ask those questions you just don't know Um, But I I quickly pivot off of sex and be like look Non-monogamy is just you having the freedom to choose how you move And to change when you choose you want to change if you're with somebody and you decide you want to be monogamous a that can be your personal choice in how you move. You shouldn't need to mandate the other person. But if for some reason you choose that that's where you guys mutually want to be, that's great as long as you want to. The minute you decide, well, now I want to opt out of monogamy and, and and shift the framework of our relationship. It shouldn't mean the end of the relationship. It should at least be, hey, I'm now in a point in my life where I want to engage with more people. I want to learn more experiences with others and that should be a discussion it shouldn't be a mandate like well you said you were gonna be this way and that meant forever and so I have to explain kind of like break that wall down then the next wall I like to break down is like look we're adults now we could eat as much candy and drink as much soda as we wanted to (laughs) all the time why don't we or coffee ice cream all day and all night but why don't we and they go well because it's not healthy for us and I don't want to that's exactly non-monogamy like just because we can try to date as many humans as we want and try to have as many sexual experiences as we want um doesn't mean we do why because if that's not what we want that's not what we want it's just about having the freedom to choose what you want and having the freedom to change Mm -hmm. what you want as you grow in your life um so it's been fascinating because for a long period of time i hadn't really been interacting or dating or courting or vibing with anybody that's Um, not predisposed to non monogamy Um, and so it's like oh yeah like I forgot like it's it's a whole different planet um, to where the majority of society is based upon what we've all been brought up on to um, just creating your own template you know like there's assumptions that non monogamy or polyamory is all one way there's one template that everyone has to subscribe to and we go back to, no, it's the ability to create your own based upon the relationship at hand and change as you wish, you know, as long as you're honest and kind and clear, giving the other person the opportunity to be honest, calm and clear and change if they wish as well. So it's been fascinating. I feel like uh, I'm a little rusty (laughs) with my ability to, you know, kind of field Meeting people and scheduling times and uh, figuring out where things are based upon conversations from day to day—it's
2: um, a big change. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, it's it's fascinating how big of a change I caught myself having underestimated how big of a change that really was because you know all the time we were in quarantine. I knew it was going to end right. and the whole time you know was feeling the good positive uh sides of being mostly just you and I but I always knew that it's not something that we want on a permanent basis right. because it comes with a lot of very quick negatives if it becomes a permanent thing right so I actually thought I was pretty good well prepared and then you know when when reality hit where you know we're out more Tion's out more like you're out more on business you are talking to new people you're meeting new people I was like wow that actually is not an easy process Right. Uh, change is always you know it's never easy uh but i've managed to underestimate it for myself yeah
0: i mean and it's you know we're like aware of this and yeah. we've worked really hard to make sure that our foundation is not built in cement it's built in some form of substance that can be molded to our desires to expand to contract based upon our needs but you know covid was a very unique situation because it basically forced us to sit down and damn near become monogamous like Right. Just us, like most of the time, you know, majority of the time. And so, you know, that situation played a huge role in the one person that I was seeing in my relationship during COVID. Because, you know, normally I'm seeing multiple people sexually or not, but like business wise, activity wise, you know, dating or not. Like there's just a lot more people that that are in my life that are actively in my rotation each week
2: and you never have a set schedule i feel like that's that's another big right. part of the whole thing right and
0: i never have a a the set schedule so you know during COVID it, it allowed like us to go back in time almost to like monogamous where it's like you know even with the person i was seeing like we had a set schedule we right. saw each other <laughs> this day each week for the most part we would do almost the same type of things right. we would just be us right. and so after almost a year you know it's hard to not get comfortable In that and it's hard to not feel some kind of way when changes come and I think that the the challenges of the transition out of that back into what was my norm and her norm um, that's where the turbulence came in and we just didn't you know the type of relationship that we had did not make the transition right the care and the love and the appreciation for each other made the transition but it's just a very different dynamic like we're friends but we're not like that but It's definitely a trip because I don't know, fifth twenty. I don't even know when the last time I ever was where it was just that rigid.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, being prepared and understanding what's on the other side of it is great. Going through it is an experience that if it's your first time, chances are it's not going to go well you know, because it wasn't our first time going through change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, on my on my side, uh, I knew I was feeling disturbed and unbalanced, but I had the luxury of knowing that it's a temporary feeling and that if I just let myself feel through it and trust that it's going to even out, it will even out. And then next thing you know, we'll be on the other side of it. And, you know, that's exactly how it happened. But not having these experiences would make the change, the actual act of transition, much more awkward, much more prone to uh, messing up, which we have done a million times. Right. And I guess now we are mostly at the point where we're both have the presence of mind to not act on how we feel and just let it flow Yeah, and then trust that the feeling we're going to ride the feeling out. And then if there's real concern on the other side of the feeling, we'll be able to sit down and talk about it. Yeah. But most likely there isn't a concern. It's just feeling unstable through a transition.
0: Yeah. And just breathing through it. And so, you know, one, part of this transition, which is, which was a trip is that, you know, when we're in the groove before COVID, you know, there were hard things that we were working on solidifying more and more into our relationship. And a big one was the normalize and inclusion, which is means normalize the fact that both Yula and I have and look for meaningful relationships that with really, really cool people that are amazing if possible. Right. So normalize that, normalize that, you know, The ones that we're attracted to, we want to have as wide of an experience as we can. And that is moving. And some of that will be sexual. Some of that may be kinky, freaky, whatever. Normalize that. And let's include each other in this ride as best friends and co-pilots of each other's life would love to. So it's called normalize and inclusion. And it takes a lot of work because we both have, um, you know, past sensors that, make us go you don't have to talk about that you don't yeah. have to say that you know technically she doesn't even know that exists or technically you know like there's we there are old habits that die hard and from the era of high discretion um we carved out a lot of parts of our lives that were kept separate you know um and so those habits are hard to um undo
2: So, okay, with that, since I'm trying to organize the podcast, I'm in charge. You're the engineer who almost failed. I do not want to fail as a producer. Okay. There's two parts to the podcast. Right. Since this is season two. Yes. I thought we would do a quick run through of who we are. How are we doing this? Yeah. This non-monogamy thing. Right. Our errors. Yeah. And then, Am I
0: jumping the horse by yes, going into? You just okay, jumped okay.
2: over like three things.
0: I put the I put the cart in front of the yeah, horse. I was okay. I was, sure. okay. Yeah. I was rolling.
2: Luke, you call me the rabbit.
0: Okay, cool. Well, let me let me pump my brakes since you know and let uh, the producer produce. Where are we going with this right now?
2: All right. So because we never know who listens, right? We do not know who starts where. New people, when they, you know, like, I I think that our audience actually expands through my OKC account. Right.
0: <laughs> 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 it's like a prerequisite. Like, oh, you want to, you're interested in me? Go really? listen to the podcast. Right. If you can, if you listen to the podcast.
2: And we can talk about it.
0: Then, you know, that's first <laughs> step. It's so they're like, you know, so I guess if all else fails, we get some ears to the podcast. <laughs> um, but also it's a good filter because those who are like, I don't know. Nope. All right. I'm not, not going to listen. And you're like, well, right. then if you're not interested in the podcast, and you know, okay.
2: Right. But, you know, uh, we both have learned that people, like, just pick a topic. We need to guide people to pick a topic and go listen to whatever you want to listen to don't start from the beginning you'll never finish you'll get bored you'll I mean I don't even know who goes on that ride but more
0: power to them because our podcasts are thick
2: we will probably you know if if someone actually proves to us that they listen to the whole podcast the whole all the episodes from 1 through now 49 uh, we would come up with a prize for sure
0: fly them out to spend a day with us right
2: uh this is a good time to basically reintroduce ourselves no need to go into huge detail but let's start with you and then you can if we choose we can you can ask the same questions of me
0: okay so are you going to ask me questions or am i just gonna yeah oh i'm going to ask you questions
2: so who are you
0: well i am tion torrance my artist alias is buku one Mm -hmm. i am a black male Pronouns are he. Is there another he? Him. He, him. He, him. Yeah, that's me. I'm a cis male, heterosexual male, uh, son of Joyce Torrance and Michael Torrance, who were both in the Black Panther Party, mm-hmm. Berkeley, Oakland, California. Um, raised by my mom and been a relationship nerd since, like, third grade. There's nothing more that I've loved and and just been so into than how men and women interact in relationships and how they don't. Fast forwarding to 1998 when I started to travel, and that's when I started to realize I could fall in love with people, places, things, everywhere I went, and I couldn't make them all mine. So that was my intro to how do I love without needing it to be mine, without possession, so love without possession.
2: So that's how you came to what we now call non-monogamy. Right, Did you we, know that that was a thing?
0: No, there was no term for non-monogamy or polyamory that came across my desk being a hip-hop b-boy did you have a desk from oakland california my life is my desk baby all
2: right just clarify but i did have a desk i mean you know
0: so i didn't have terminology for it i just called it love without possession love without ownership um and then just started working my way from there so i've been at it um actively since 1998 and it's 2021 now so i'm clinically insane when it comes to this this, (laughs) profession, this skill. You you know, when I
2: introduce, when I share with new people our history, I tell them that by the time that you and I actually started, uh, you know, building our current adventure together, you had a code of ethics that you had come up with in relation to relationships with people yeah like in my eyes like you had created it for yourself by yourself because that fits your ethics
0: right and it fit my specific way I was living I was traveling a lot yeah. um, I was planning on traveling a lot I was touring a lot for tour management and uh, music so I knew for a fact a huge part of my life was gonna be on the road And so it wouldn't be fair to have a monogamous relationship at home to where I'm always gone for that person but also for me because I'm I wanted to be present wherever I was when I traveled and I wanted to be ethically clean and present I didn't want to have to sacrifice ethic and karma for a good experience on the road right I wanted to be able to be honest and be able to leave and come and be clean and not have guilt and not have deception right. and not have these barrel of lies over me. Um,
2: so we, you know, not regards when you worked out your code of ethics for your, you know, intimate relationships. Do you think that that also affected your other relationships in life, like your friendships, your business relationships? How you relate to family like not you know our family but outside of us
0: yeah well the funny thing is is once I started defining this new lane of intimate relationships how I relate with women um, I would look for examples in my life to help me understand how to do this how do I love without possession how do I how can I do that and then I realized you know I've always had multiple loves and passions in my life like I built my life to have multiple loves and passions partially Um, Because they represent and they express and they help me with different parts of my personality, but also they provide different things. They provide different nourishment. So like skateboarding, rapping, business, DJing, producing, graffiti art, bowling, and, and women and friendships. So I've always had a way that I naturally navigated many very special relationships in my life. So that helped me identify, okay, I have the template. I right. love my mom, I love my dad, I love my cousins, I love my little homies, I love the new homies I meet, I love the new dude at the skate park, I love this new rapper, I love this new author, and I still have capacity to love new authors and new rappers and and new women and new friends and new things, so I had this, this template, so that really helped me. Um, so what I had to do then is go, okay, well I already do this here, let me transfer that philosophy here and feel the ooh and the uncomfortableness. And what I realized is what was hindering me from being able to adapt to it faster or easier was my own fears and my own traumas. Right.
2: It's not the people around you.
0: No, it's not the people around me. It's my own. Fear of the alpha male. Fear of being replaced by someone bigger, cooler, stronger, faster. Um, also, like that tied into fear of being replaced because in my growing up life when it came to having girlfriends the structure was you can only like one so if the woman liked me and then she goes guess what I met a guy I really like him that meant the end of yours because it's theirs so even though in this new space I learned that people can like and love multiple people my emotional trigger was still like the minute someone would tell me they like somebody else I was already preparing for the exit and so I had to work through those and those are big. The fear of the alpha male is really, really, really big and it makes us men afraid of speaking our truth about the fact that we do, we do love to experience many different women in different ways because we're afraid the woman will be like, Me too. Right. And that's terrifying because we're all picturing these six foot seven Golden State warrior rookies who have everything that we don't have and size and stature and whatever it is that are just cooler and better than us. And our girlfriend or our wife's going to meet them. And once they meet them, they'll be like, holy shit, why was I even dealing with this dude at home? And that would be that.
2: So that's, you know, how, like, your existing friendships and experiences in, you know, life and business helped you organize your non-monogamous code of ethics. What about the other way, once you decided that, you wanted to live your life in that way which is quite unconventional especially in like 98 outside of any sort of you know um group that shares knowledge in it right did you tell your friends did you tell your family that hey you know this is how i operate and if so what happened
0: um there wasn't a coming out moment there definitely wasn't like hey guess what i was this now i'm not that it's It's not that, my mom kind of knew a lot because I always had different people coming in and out of my house. I had different women coming in and out of my house. Some were just friends, some were friends with intimacy, some were dating, and some became more like relationships. Um, And so me and my mom would talk about that, but it was never looked at as something weird because my mom always had different boyfriends. She never let any one man dictate her life after after my dad. So, I didn't really have to tell anybody like a de- declaration when I was on tour. It was always very funny because, you know, a lot of the guys I would tour with were still traditionally very monogamous but, in their relationships and, at home. And if they had a relationship at at home, it was definitely monogamous, right? And they would just be out there wilding out. Or if they were single, that just meant they were in between monogamous relationships and right. they're wilding out.
2: Okay.
0: Um, and mine was like, no, I like meaningful relationships. I like to cuddle and care and stuff like that. I just don't need them to be mine. And so, you know, I was kind of like a laughing stock for, you know, at times I was kind of like the butt of the jokes. Um, I was also the square, sober tour manager, and so that kind of fit along with that too, because I would be like, you know, you guys shouldn't be doing anything on the road. You wouldn't want your wife doing, or your girlfriend doing it at home, you know. And that was shit like they didn't want to hear.
2: Right. Course, <laughs> you know, like, whatever, Buku. You keep your your crazy ideas to yourself.
0: Right. So I always had this one like scenario that I would I would put on my artists. I'd be like, okay. You know, let's just say you come home from tour, and your wife is like, "Hey, we need to talk." So immediately you're like, "Oh shit!" And you're thinking about like, did you she leave? Any, out. Did you was there any condoms in your wallet? Or they find any messages? And she goes, "Hey, I just want to be real with you. You know, I love you, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, for sure." You know, and. You know, like, I know when you're on the road, it's like a different world. Like, you're out there living and building. You're, like, you're connecting with different producers. You're, you're rocking different cities, different crowds, meeting different fans. And I know it's a whole big part of your life. It means a lot to you. And he's, like, kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know. But he's kind of like, what Morris is she getting is to? <laughs> you know, so and she's like, you know. And I know, like, sometimes you do meet women. And, like, sometimes it just feels right to, to connect with them, maybe go out to dinner, maybe kick it after the show. And you know what? Sometimes maybe even sex. And he's like, well, and she's like, don't say anything. It's okay. Look, ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, it would be insane of me to think that other women don't see the amazement and the beauty of you that I do. And that's cool. I know when you come home, you bring that love back to me. You're here with me. We have a great thing. So everything that you do in your life clearly is helping who you are to help me. So it's all love. And he's like, yeah, because, you know, like, I don't really be loving them. I just be having for some fun. You know, she's like, look. I don't, you don't have to downplay who they are. They're cool people, you know? I I, I know you know how to differentiate a good time and a good person with your wife. I know it's different. And he's like, he's starting to come around like, yeah, see, you know how it, like, you know, like, I appreciate that. And she's like, yeah, baby, you know I do. Like, you know, I know you. I know you, you do things, man. I want you to be free when you're out there. And he's like, man, that's why you my boo. And she's like, cause you know, sometimes when like, when you're gone, I get a little lonely. And he's like, what? You know? And, you know, I go to the clubs with my girl. Like, I'm looking to dance. I ain't looking to, like, marry nobody. You know, there might be a cool, cool dude with a nice body who got some moves. And he, the guy's like, what the fuck is she talking about? <laughs> and he's like, you know, she's like, you know, and I'll just be dancing and feeling that little groove, like, feeling his hands on my hips. And, you know, every now and then, you know, I meet a dude I want to go home with. And we have a little bit of fun, you know. And it's all good, you know. I still know. And he's like, what? Hell no. Who? How the fuck? And I all of a sudden, he <laughs> freaks out. Did you just cheat on me? Right. And so... <laughs> That scenario, a lot of my dudes would be like, dude, why do you even bring shit like that up? And it's like, well, you shouldn't be doing anything on the road. Like, if you're getting good head from somebody on the road, you should have no problem with your picturing your woman giving good head to somebody who she feels deserves it.
2: But that's different. She's not on the road. She's at home. She's my wife.
0: Right. And so, like, I was that dude. So that was kind of how my explanations would go. Um, But I did have to explain it a lot to women I would meet. Right. I'd have to explain that I had a lot of love to give but I, I couldn't be someone's one and only, and I couldn't be their one and only. Um, and I had to get used to them being like, oh, okay, you're just a player then. right? Or, you know what, if I can't have you as mine, I don't want you at all, right? And I had to challenge, I had to battle with that, because sometimes you'd meet someone who seems like they're so good, but they don't want me like this. So do I lie? Do I not tell them? Do I downplay it? And I had to realize over a long, struggling times, it was never... Easy. And it wasn't always perfect. I, I did, you know, all types of from lying to stumbling to whatever it was. But I had to realize, like, I'm not looking for people who I have to change to accommodate them. I'm looking for people to where my truth and where their truth is aligns. And they're like, that's great because I've always wanted to be able to love somebody without feeling like I have to give up who I am.
2: Right. And now, like, that's that was a long road to where you are now. And that's easy.
0: Right now, it's like, I want that to come out right away. Right. I want, I want you to know that I'm married, that I'm non-monogamous, that I see other people. I see all types of, I, I look to be intimate in everything I do. So when you ask me how many people are you seeing, I'm going to be like, what do you mean? Right. Because I see guys, I see girls, I see kids that I love, that I'm into. Sex is just one of the ways I use to connect, but it's not the deepest always and it's not the only way um but i do it right away because i want you to either be like oh yeah definitely not for me or like dope or how does that work like i'm trying to get to that as soon as possible so we save each other time
2: right so you already blabbed about your biggest personal challenge i imagine i was going to ask you what has the biggest personal challenge been for you in a yeah. non-monogamous space yes yeah,
0: the biggest personal challenge for me in non-monogamous space um, was first is being honest that I, I, I have love to give, but I definitely am not someone's one and only, and I, I will see other people as I do. Um, the second one was the fear of the alpha male, knowing that if I don't lock this woman down, she's free to see whoever she wants, and chances are she's going to find somebody who's way cooler than me, who's everything that I'm not, and then, she, you know, I'm I'm going to feel like I'm I'm close to now being left and be relegated to next to nothing.
2: So where are you with that fear now?
0: Now it's kind of funny. Um, it's still there. like I have a personality that's that basically is in charge of like all my fears and worrying. Um, so that one part of me definitely freaks out. Uh, but luckily, it's just one of the people inside of me where there's a committee of whatever five or six. So I hear it, I feel it. But it doesn't control how I move.
2: So, what happened to help you decide that that's how you want to handle it?
0: Just identifying what that fear is, where what's the origins of it, and I realize it has nothing to do with any one particular person. It has to do with my fear of being replaced, and my fear of being replaced comes from my relationship history before I understood non-monogamy. It was that it was all or none. So, you know, I would be the cool, I would be the apple of someone's eye until they found somebody else and I wouldn't be anymore. Um, And I had to also get comfortable with like anybody who I'm supposed to connect with is going to see me as someone of value. Anybody who doesn't or leaves is meant to be. And no matter what you can meet somebody who's amazing, who's into you, but everything's impermanent. Like there's no guarantee something good is going to last forever, so get comfortable with your definition of good being as long as it as long as it was, you treat each other as best you could, and the minute it was no longer that, you found a way to to transition out without being mean or, or asshole-ish.
2: so how does that uh translate into your relationship with me?
0: Well, it translates in me getting better and more clear at. I want you to have the most amazing experiences in your life. I want you to have, I want you to be seen and be appreciated and be adored in every area of your life. I want that for you in your career. I want your success and your growth and your expansion to be as your liking and for people to see and appreciate your talents and your value. I want you to be seen and loved and appreciated by the most amazing people, students, teachers, and kindred spirits you're supposed to meet. I want them to be as sexy, as calm, as stabilizing, as moving, as you want them to be. And including sexually. If you're gonna have sex with other people, I want it to be the most nourishing, amazing, enjoyable blessing that you could have. And just reminding myself of that through the days when I get sensitive. Because sensitivity will make you think you don't. You want them to not be seen that much. You want them to have bad experiences. They come back to you being like, "He's the best," you know. But my wisdom says, you know, one of the best things you can ever give your 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 loved one is supporting their freedom. I love you so much. I want to be. I'm honored to be a part of your of your path.
2: Right, and that is something I think that uh, when for for everyone who's listening who is not in a non-monogamous relationship i think that's the biggest concern what do you do with that fear right? right what do you do if you cannot get through it and that is when you know in a non-committed relationship you just go your own way right but when you're in a committed relationship when you're in a marriage you have a life together And you want to allow your spouse to experience freedom, but it is so scary that these monsters come out and you can't handle it. Right. What happens? Well,
0: I would suggest starting off with brutal self-honesty and followed by brutal honesty to your partner. Like, until we honestly say what our concerns and fears are, not... Not the egos glazing over with some lawyer speak, I just love you too much, or I just couldn't imagine my woman with another man and all this shit that sounds noble but is, is just a mask of some, some security. Be like, I'm terrified of the thought of you going out with another man and having a great experience because I feel like you're going to come back home and you're not going to want me. Right. I'm terrified that I'm not good enough. I'm terrified that I haven't been doing the work um, to treat you the way you deserve to be treated. Um and then that the that confession can turn into a conversation and then a the question. Cause you can ask your wife, like I'm terrified that you're gonna leave me and find somebody else, or you're gonna get so many people in your life you're not gonna be able to um be present for me. Is that the case? And then your wife can then respond and it can be a conversation. How do we right. how do we help each other? Um, navigate these things, you know, or just use references. Like the wife could be easily like, well, you know, I've been your wife. I do your laundry. I pay the bills. I manage the kids. I manage the schedule. I have my job. I do these things. You trust me with all that, right? Yeah. So you must know and trust that I, I can navigate responsibilities and my own space. And it helps us, once again, marry a scary topic with something that we already naturally trust each other to do anyways. So... That would be that. Is there any other questions before?
2: No, go... I think we pretty much, that's a pretty clear picture.
0: Okay, what we'll do is we'll go into a short break, and then we'll flip the script, and we'll introduce this woman over here with the feisty bunny ears and teeth, and we'll get into it. Black Russian Podcast, Season 2. Get to know you folks.
1: Life is a journey, you know? And on this part, I know comes to many realizations. The evolution of thought to creation, AI. you know? Yeah, I remember when my first start for question life Yet seven ask questions, why am I deaf on earth? Is this my first or my second birth? Or is it my third? Is that a number or is it a word? Is life unknown or is it a verb? Is there a God where you listen every single word? When I think and when I see the color red, is it the same to you? Maybe what you explain is blue to me what you perceive is individually risen from the prison of the mind, literally, and your senses form defences against the entry of frequencies where them sent free. and the ones them my out of them reach, they say them do not exist, but I them want them to seek, yeah. The preacher them I preach, but in the end I teach myself to seek myself until the end of these dying days. I used to ask myself, oh, but now I put the wine in place. Instead of cook the wheat, I cook the rye in place, but put my third eye And we've lost meaning With all that's going on with the life we're leading Cause all in all, great or small, this feeling Knowing that we're blessed with the air we're breathing breathing. Believe me I remember thinking if you're born January, Oh, you're one great higher than someone we born December that no sense when you check it out. The ones are born December, not no make it out. The school system provides the tools for true victims arrive while fixing the minor rules. Three, six are designed them choose. Cheese tricks by design abuse the time a fly Sometimes I feel I'm a fly, just a picture and I watch people sit on a clock from nine to five. Time does a fade away till the day them family sing amazing. heard
0: Yes, yes. The Black Russian Podcast, Season 2. We are here. We just got to know my, myself. We got to know me. Well,
2: we got to know Tion. We got I'll to know, help you
0: out. Okay. We got to know <laughs> Tion, Buku, one, a little more. Um, you know, how I became this person that I am, how I got into non-monogamy, the challenges I've been navigating and challenges and just all the good stuff. So now we'll get into, who are you?
2: I am Yulia Kalk. We're married, but I don't have your last name. We talked about it one time. I kind of have it in the plans to add it to my last name, but we haven't gotten there.
0: Okay. And where are you from?
2: I'm originally from Lithuania. I was 20 years old when my family and I moved to San Francisco. That was in 1991. I just turned 50, so I have spent most of my life in the bay.
0: Yeah, you're acclimated.
2: I'm acclimated. Uh, You and I met in 1995, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we were friends till about 2003. And then we decided that uh, there was a different level of our relationship that we needed to explore, and it has worked out.
0: Right. So what was your path to non-monogamy or loving without the confines of traditional relationships?
2: Well, you have been my conduit to understanding that there is a different different uh, way to have a committed relationship than non-monogamy. The reason why I understood it was because I think I instinctively was always rebelling against monogamy but, in my own ways, without knowing that I could do it openly and uh ethically, so my way was always well, let's you know, before sharing my ways of practicing it, it came from me periodically uh consistently, realizing that I always get tired of being in a relationship with one person right that there was a sort of a timer on it and i noticed that first when i was 12 and then it consistently happened with every relationship i was in to the point where i was very aware of it i knew there was a timeline and it became a little scary where i'm like well every relationship i'm in is going to end without a warning to me in my head and then once it does i felt empowered to go and get something else outside without telling the person i was with so really my path to practicing non-monogamy until you and i started to talk about it was always just doing my own thing which officially is called cheating And not feeling bad about it because I'm like, well, I'm done with this person and I don't know that there is a way for me to do it otherwise. So here we go. Right. You know, so when we started talking about it, it made sense to me that, yeah, of course you cannot be with just one person because being honest means that you admit that, yeah, you, it's not the way to live a fulfilling life.
0: Right and so what what was the initial challenge the initial hardest challenge for you once it was time when you found you you know you found the platform like okay this makes sense to me Um, now what was the hardest thing as far as implementing that into your life
2: i didn't honestly start to implement it in my life like looking back until you and i changed the format or started to change the format of our relationship six years ago right from basically high discretion don't ask don't tell to full inclusion and looking back you know i see very clearly that the lifestyle that i had at the time you know taking care of two kids and and working and supporting the household and building a relationship with you and getting used to your ways of practicing non-monogamy and having challenges with, you know, my family because of racial issues and all that stuff basically left the whole side of me learning how to practice my own ethical non-monogamy out. Like, it just wasn't a thing. So it wasn't until six years ago that you and I decided that we needed to change how we, uh, you know, how we lived our... Uh, vows that we started to learn that I didn't do much to learn and improve the way that I practiced my side.
0: Right. So before the six years though, how were you operating? Like you were doing something. So what was the state of that being from the beginning of our relationship to six years ago?
2: I had a very nice long-term, 10-year-long affair with someone that was close to you in the confines of an open relationship like that was you know that was my way of living non-monogamously
0: right. so what was the philosophy though like what were you what was your op, what was your mode of operation in that space like you know
2: we're in the space I'm not, you know, this relationship that I have does not take away from my marriage. It actually helps my marriage. It contributes to my balance. It gives me nourishment. It does not threaten anything that Tion and I have. Therefore, that's my way of practicing it. Right. Uh, You know, big problems there, big, huge holes. And those were the holes that you know started to well got revealed, and then I had to start working on filling, which right. is not an easy task, but possible
1: so
0: so in the once we got into the normalized and inclusion phase, what then became your 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 biggest challenge?
2: Well, the biggest challenge then was to really rewire my whole brain set of habits uh you know, I, initially I thought it was just habits that instead of that I didn't create a habit of sharing with you what I thought right. I wanted to do. And then the deeper that I dug into it, the more challenging and, and I kept running into the same challenge that logically I understand I need to share and it's all fine. But then I kept running into the same wall where game time I don't want to share. And then we're back at square one until i understood that it's not the habit it's not a uh you know me needing to tell myself over and over i need to tell tion but it is an internal wiring system that basically made me very very uncomfortable in even practicing non-monogamy right So it's an internal conflict of, I know this is what I want, but everything that I have learned through my life from the society tells me that it's wrong. And because it's wrong, when it's time to openly share it, the whole being goes into survival mode and hides it. So, you know, the challenge is not in literally changing daily habits but in undoing the damage that was done from the upbringing right
0: so what i was going to ask you just right there what was your cult do you, what role do you play sorry what role did your culture play in your challenges to grow into this ethical non-monogamy space
2: well you know my culture i would say that you know there is a common ground in most cultures that are non-monogamous that give us, you know, the feeling of what's right, what's wrong. That right. is completely opposite to what we really, you know, we decide to uh, practice. Because what, t- what, what the culture tells us was wrong is really not what we feel is wrong. So the first challenge is. Cultural undoing it and then the second layer, you know, uh, the me growing up in Lithuania, which was Soviet at the time uh And you know, it's not to put the blanket statement that anyone who grew up there has the same challenges The family that I grew up in the circumstances that I grew up in made it Like normalized not telling the truth right normalized going around rules And it literally, like in business, it's looked at as a asset. A smart person will figure out how to go around rules when those rules are not beneficial to your end goal. Right. So it's like a video game that you get good at, and then you automatically practice it when you come to something that you want. But then there is this you know the sign in front of it like warning do not cross to me is like if you want to go there you absolutely can right so that came with the other you know that that is a huge challenge for me to where i have to forget that and create recreate basically recreate a code of ethics that matches my what i feel is spiritually right and that creates positive karma, right. versus just an intellectual challenge, and uh, the feeling of entitlement of no one can tell me what to do. You know, don't put these stupid rules in front of me. Don't tell me no. You can't do that, or you have to do this before you do that. I'm gonna do what I want to do. Right? You know. So really, the challenge is to understanding that what I want to do is act based on what I feel is right. And that right is not just my instant gratification goal, but it's a long-term, what brings me stability, like what brings me peace of mind, what brings me the best uh, chance of maintaining a stable, clean relationship between you and I. And that's, it, it, it. it's quite a distance to go from, you know, where I came from to what I understand to be the source of my balance now.
0: Right. And, you know, we talked about some of the challenges being a man growing into the space, like fear of the alpha male and stuff like that. What are some of the challenges from a woman's perspective going into non-monogamy? Uh,
2: it's, it's... <laughs> The challenge is that I'm not supposed to do this. Right. I'm I'm basically going to be looked down as a, uh, you know, a slut, a someone that you will not want to be with me right. if I am to be, you know, sexually involved with other men. That, I mean, that's a rudimentary challenge. And it's not just my challenge. You know, my friends that, you know, female friends that are... Uh, relatively new or you know to non-monogamy that's a very common challenge for women right is it's a lot easier for uh, women to learn how to handle their partner having multiple sexual partners than it is for us to start practicing our own because the fear is that i'm not supposed to do this this is not uh I'm going to be looked down on my partner is not going to want to touch me like that's a big one uh and regardless of what they say, physically things will change
0: right so why do you why is that educate us not knowing men and maybe some other women who are feeling this way? what's the science between even though I know I can and I want to um experience Passion and sexuality with other men, but I'm afraid that my husband won't look at me the same. Like, where do you think that comes from?
2: Because, you know, I mean, men are so sensitive to that stuff. Right. I think that to men, what? (laughs) Sexual possession is a sign of power. Right. So, you know, traditionally, having a wife meant that you own her sexually, right? So it's really, really scary. Even if I know my partner does not think that way, but the instinct is there and undoing the So the cultural, uh, conditioning is really difficult. This is a feminist fight. This is, I want to feel the same exact level of freedom that you feel in this area you know it's the same fight that i fight at work i want to be treated the same way i want to have the same exact rights as a man and it's a fight you know our kids i was going to say don't have that feeling but even they do but to a smaller degree you know like um our oldest one You know, she's in a non-monogamous, really long-term non-monogamous relationship. And I watched her practice her side of non-monogamy. She did it. She did not back down. It was hard as hell. And we didn't raise them to, you know, have to treat them differently, men, like boys and girls. It comes from the society. It comes from that conditioning that even though we are trying to undo it, it's not a uh, light switch. Like right. it is a hard, hard, hard process, you know. And one of the cool things that's happened while I'm learning how to practice my own and be more rooted in who I am, uh, you know, I've gotten, I, I've made uh, really good female friends. And we're able to share how we feel and support each other, you know, where if a, you know, good girlfriend of mine is having this challenge, I, she can talk to me and I will encourage her, no, I know you have this feeling, but you have to step over it and go do what you know you need to do or you want to do and trust that your partner is going to be there when you come back and they'll be fine. But when you don't have that support, it is really hard to do, right. really hard to do. Yeah. So, you know, it's been cool to uh, to also under, like see and feel that, oh, look, I'm actually creating a cool community for myself.
0: All right. So, and now we're fast forwarding to 2021. You know, what are, offhand, three of the coolest things about being able to explore this freedom and and build this uh your own template for your the way you interact with people
2: by far the coolest one is that i trust myself right like having uh hoping to have what you know you refer to and i refer like to refer to as soul control is a uh super empowering feeling right understanding that it is up to me to create what I want and I can trust myself to not fuck up because I know what I want and what I want as long as it is not hidden you know in our relationship it's all fine like I'm entitled to create the life that I want to live right and it's a very very empowering feeling which translates to all areas of my life in how I deal with people at work, in how I deal with strangers, and how I carry myself when I have to speak publicly—like it is a really fundamentally empowering feeling.
0: Right. So, uh, you know, when it comes to you sharing your way of life, of you know, your way of life, your way of non-monogamy with your friends and family and stuff how does that been how'd you go about that
2: (laughs) well all my friends know because we have the podcast and (laughs) we forced them to 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 listen to it from the beginning everyone dropped out but hey everyone knows that i'm not monogamous uh i feel like because people you know my friends that are not that are monogamous a lot of the times we just don't we just you know, share different other interests outside of talking about relationships. When shit gets hard in their relationships, they always come to me. And it's not because I'm non-monogamous, but because you and I are such relationship nerds, they trust that the way we will look at their challenges is non-traditional. And usually people that, uh, you know, are close to us understand that, going to talk about relationship challenges with traditional people is not going to help because it will just keep them in the same problem loop. Because those problems, it doesn't matter if you're in a monogamous relationship or not, relationship problems cannot be solved by doing the same thing over and over again. There needs to be something new, a different approach, a new Set of eyes and an idea to help anyone get through a challenge because otherwise, like the challenge was created inside the relationship, right? People in your world give you the same exact advice that keeps you in that challenge. So, right. I really enjoy it when my friends come to me for an opinion because they know that I'm gonna listen and give them a perspective that they had not thought about
0: right and yeah it's fascinating that way that you know you know we it's, because we're non-monogamous it doesn't mean that we all of our friends are non-monogamous we're some part of some hmm. commune and nothing like that non-monogamy doesn't define our core who we are right this is just a, a, a mode of life that is a it's just an extension of our lives of we don't want to live restricted by each other we want to encourage each other to grow and expand. It's beyond relationships. It's be, it's within themselves. It's it like finding new passions. It's changing careers. It's just coming across new thoughts that allow us to learn more, grow, change, and expand. So, of course, it would make sense that if we're about liberation, we're about self-liberation and growth, that we would have a relationship structure that would allow the exact same things. Right. You know? And I think that's a, that's a big conflict that a lot of us have in life is that, we, we're, we're in our minds, we're freedom fighters, we're for liberation, we're for women's rights, we're for trans LGBTQ rights, we're for Black Lives Matter, we're for, you know, fighting restrictions and, and, and obligations in old parts of society. But yet when it comes to relationships, we don't apply that same level of, of expectation of freedom and growth and liberation because it's yeah. so much levels of fear and discomfort and tradition that we may not be ready to break. Um, and,
2: I mean, I think that uh, like more people are ready to start absorbing different ideas without necessarily having to practice non-monogamy right. than, you know, than, than not. Because we're smart, you know, like we, we don't have the same economic structure uh, that kept women inside the house without their own money. Most of my women friends make their own money, support their families, do everything at home. Like we're smart, but being stuck in that old loop, like I felt so stuck in the old loop of conditioning that it becomes extremely frustrating. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that it becomes extremely frustrating too. So friends coming for a new perspective and taking what fits them from how we think and how we look at life is a really cool thing to experience
0: right and i think one of the added benefits that we can provide and be of service to our friends and public that when it comes to relationships is that there is so much natural training of self introspection and honesty and finding your words to communicate and owning your shit and trying to become a better lover friendship family husband and non-monogamy that we're used to having we're trained to have open conversations to not judge people by the mistakes they make and to be able to go deeper than just what happened but why it happened and non monogamy has definitely been a core part of training us because we have to be able to be honest we have more variables we have more specifics that we have to discuss Right. You know, um, and so
2: we have to go through fears like having to go through fears is definitely uh, the training that benefits in all other aspects of life. You know, the way that I deal with uh, my work challenges, Right. you know, and being at the point where I won't let anyone put me in a box, whether it's in my personal relationship or at work. Right like that's it's the same thing. It just translates to a different area, you know, and it's no easier to stand your ground as a woman in your professional life than it is to stand your ground as a woman in a relationship where you want to fight for more than just a specific wife role. right It all helps you know one helps the other same with you know raising kids understanding that there are different ways to approach structures helps a lot in understanding what kids are going through because every generation of kids is it's their job to work to dismantle a previous structure of sorts right it just depends on which structure they pick
0: so at that point, as yes. we're going into that, it's perfect timing. Let's talk about our kids. Just, you know, so we're talking a little bit about who we are. So we, we're we parents. Yeah. You know, we have three kids. Yeah. So once you break down just a little bit about three, you don't have to name names. No. But just like, you know, we have three kids and then go from there about who they are, where they came from. And then we'll talk about (laughs) how do we talk about birds and bees bees and like but you know a little
2: bit. I delivered them all vaginally (laughs) to I had the nipidural with last one was all natural. How old are they?
0: (laughs) What are you know? Yes, yes, funny girl of course. Uh,
2: They are almost twenty two. The oldest one's a girl, almost twenty no, almost twenty three, I'm sorry. <laughs> then we have a 19 year old boy and a 13 year old, uh, freedom fighter for all LGBTQ, gender neutral,
0: sex female, sex
2: female gender neutral, uh, mixed. She's the, they are the only mixed child we have. Uh, so that's Tion and mine. And then the first two came from my first marriage.
0: So we have two older Russians and a black Russian.
2: Right. That's the easy way to right. to define them.
0: Day is the mascot of this podcast. This is the inspiration yes. of the Black Russian podcast. Um, so you know what's funny is all of them have their own unique tailor made relationship style. Yeah. So I wanna talk a little bit about that. For sure.
2: The oldest one, um, what is she she was five when she met you when when you basically integrated into our life right. um and fought against your role as a stepfather tooth and nail right you're not my dad's classic
0: i had a grace period from like five to like nine
2: Eight, Eight. Yeah, we moved here and she hated you. Yeah, it was like.
0: We had an amazing honeymoon period. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and then, you know, she fought and announced that he was not to parent her. Mm-hmm. We made a very wise choice and, you know, Tion stepped away from parenting. They have a very nice relationship now. It's not a daughter son, a, a daughter father. It's not a parenting relationship. It's a. I respect you, and you respect me, and we have good times, and we're not pretending that yeah. this is anything we're beyond. Family. Yeah. Her family. Uh now the funny thing is that she practices a lot of how we live, so she's absorbed a lot of good that came from Tion being in our lives. Uh, you know, I love randomly shuffling through her playlist because it has a lot of buku music in it and you'd never know until you hear it on her playlist because she won't proactively do it Uh, her relationship style is pretty much close to what ours is and it's funny that you know her boyfriend and her did that without consulting with us without asking for our help They just came up with it because it worked for them.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's like, you know, the fun thing about people go, well, you know, do you tell your kids about uh, non-monogamy or whatever? Right. And we say, well, it's a coffee table. We normalize relationships. We all have them, and we talk about, you know, being able to be kind and and have it how you want it as long as you're able to be honest with yourself Mm -hmm. and not force people to templates that may or may not work for them
2: plus they see we always have people at home right people come and go good friends come and stay here good friends come and don't stay here we leave someone comes and hangs out with the kids and they learn to trust that the people that we have in our lives are always great people and it does not matter what kind of relationship we have with them right some of them are sexual some of them are just the sexual some of them both of us have a sexual relationship sometimes separate a lot of times together and it does not change how we are with them doesn't change their presence in our house in our lives so it's normalized what kids expect from us right which then normalizes what they expect to see in their lives right
0: and the underlying is whoever we bring around they're vetted as good humans, people yeah. we care about. Right. How we choose to care about them and what ways is, you know. The
2: number the of times the kids come downstairs and there's a new person sitting on the couch and they just go, oh, hey, like right. plenty. And it's never a, oh, my God, what is this stranger doing in my house? It's like almost like, oh, wow, new person. Let's see what cool, cool gifts they bring. Like, who are
0: they? What, what's who their magic they? tricks? And yeah. yeah, so that's our oldest. And then our middle is a son who I've been, I guess, in his life around since he was two or three. Yeah. And, you know, he is a fascinating individual because he's very similar to me in the sense that he has many passions. He has many loves. He skateboards, he plays the drums, he makes beats, he does all different types of art. Um, and for him, when it came to relationships, he learned that a girlfriend can only be one of his many passions. He can't commit to them the way a traditional relationship was and so through that naturally he's formed relationships with you know he has a girlfriend now but they form a relationship where it's based upon you know we see each other when we see each other in a loving way yeah and we opt in every time we make a plan to see each other we're choosing that there's no obligations right um and luckily she has her own passions as well as he does but he's learning to speak the verbiage of being able to articulate when he needs space and that And not overcommit himself to a structure that doesn't fit him. Yeah. Um, And it's very neat to see that because all those things he do, all those things he does are relationships to him, you know?
2: And they're equally as important. It's not like he will go without sex for weeks or extended periods of time if that means the alternative is to lock him down. Like, I have no doubt about it. He's done it, and... Like that does not motivate him to find himself lock himself into a relationship that will take away from his other passions, right? Which is the neatest thing to see. Um, and then the little one is a uh, I, how do we describe her? So she is a master of understanding how she feels. Emotionally, and describing it in a way that makes me completely relate to her. Right. I mean, she is a master of that, which means that she has an amazing relationship with herself and all the voices in her head. And she's able to identify them, and she is willing and has been putting a lot, a lot, a lot of work in learning what they all mean and how to navigate times when they are rebelling against her
0: right and to the point to where most recently um she switched more into they them and z and modified her name to fit this new to accommodate the person that she's become the width of not being categorized as her
2: and you know through understanding and she's extremely good at explaining every change in her worldview and internal gauges to me and then I translate that to Tian I realized that really what she is doing is the essence of the feminine the feminist struggle uh, just put in a different packaging So basically, and she's one of many kids that do that, but because we have her explaining it to us, you know, I use her as a uh, person that fights that fight. Is just because I'm born with female body parts does not mean that anybody gets to put me in a box and prescribe a lifestyle to me. Right. Does not mean that I'm going to have kids does not mean i'm going to clean the house does not mean i'm going to do laundry does not mean anything at all doesn't mean i'm going to wear makeup doesn't mean i'm not going to wear makeup it is literally if any of those things is something that they want to do temporarily or forever it's ex- it's exclusively up to them right And that's all there is to that whole they, them, gender identity. It's a fight against two prescribed modes. You are either a boy or a girl. And if you're a boy, you get to do this. If you're a girl, you get to do that. And they are like, fuck you and everything that you guys know. And we're going to show you that none of it is going to matter in one generation.
0: Right so in, in tying all this together all of our kids we've created a space based upon our relationship styles and the way we've hosted their ability to grow they have no one template that they must use to be who they are, to love who they want to be and how Yeah. Um. and it's cool to watch them evolve and prescribe their own scripts and their own vows for relationships oh. and bring it back to us um, and uh, you know it it may or may not have happened, but it definitely has been encouraged by the fact that we share our struggles, our relationship philosophies, and an open dialogue about relationships and about um the diversity that you can have.
2: Yeah, they come I mean all of all three of them come to us for help. Like for straight up. For relationship advice, right, help, like not straight just straight up help, help. not not just advice, but actual help to where like Mom, I'm in crisis mode. You need to help. Like that's pretty yeah. pretty
0: Most uh, kids don't come to their parents for relationship advice. No,
2: I mean it's uh you know Aaron referred to us as, "Hey mom, blah blah, blah needs your relationship nutrition." You know, right. like he he called me in for sessions. Where he's like, okay, mom, you get to put this hat on and, you know, figure it out and work your magic. Right.
0: And Yeah, we've helped, you know, our oldest even talk yeah. to her boyfriend. He reached help out guide to him. us yeah.
2: without her knowing because they were in crisis mode. And right. he was like, hey, I know that non-monogamy is what I want to do whether I'm with her or not. But it has gotten to be so difficult that I'm realizing I don't have tools to react properly. Right. And just can you guys please teach me how to not react in a way that triggers her. And then she reacts and then it triggers me. And then we're in this in this cycle.
0: Yeah.
2: And I mean, we worked with him for a while and, you know, through it and with her. And yeah. uh, I mean, that that's like some of the coolest rewards for having done this crazy, sometimes bone crushing work
0: yeah and you know so through this time you know we've been at it we've been married for over 15 16 years Um, i've been at it since 98 she's been at it since 2004 with me and we've been through many iterations of our relationship we've been through many chapters of struggles and triumphs um and we've learned that you know supporting someone's freedom and growth can be very destabilizing because there's no guarantee how long it's going to take for someone to learn a lesson there's no guarantee of what their freedom is going to look like, how they're going to express it, who, how many people, if any, they're going to need to be involved with that freedom, and when that may change. And that's one of the really hardest parts about doing this. But since we've done it so much, we've be able, we've been able to be of assist of assistance to people who are thinking about it, who are trying it, who are struggling with it. Um, and that's where we came up with our relationship nutritionist part of our dynamic where. We're not therapists, we don't sit with anybody and do this, but we've definitely, with people we've cared about, been able to sit and help them hold, like, hear each other and hold space in an objective way um, to navigate their stuff. And also, we love when people reach out to us with questions or concerns. It's it's a very important part of what we do and what we love.
2: I mean, that's the actual original purpose of doing this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We, as we started to openly talk about our own challenges and learning how to start including each other in our outside relationship worlds, we realized that as we opened up to our friends that we're non monogamous and these are our challenges, they naturally started sharing their relationship challenges with us because every relationship has a challenge obviously and since we are going at it then you know it it promotes trust uh in to share and we decided you know let's just create this podcast and share our stuff as we go because we will go through ups and downs and learn new things and what better way to uh, understand what we have learned uh, than to share it?
0: Right. And so this is, I guess, the episode that we might start telling people, if you haven't listened at all, right, start here. Right. <laughs> you get a little crash course on who we are and how we became this place and some of the, you know, things that make us us. Yeah. And so that's what it is. We're about to get up out. We always have things to do um season two is here
2: yay Um, we did it we did i know (laughs) one of those things like but we missed it definitely
0: missed it it's just you know without needing to do this or focus on this as a career we can just let it flow as we wish um and that's what it is you know
2: we didn't wish until today no
0: and once it was time we got down we did it took a little technical difficulties but nothing we couldn't get past (laughs) So that's what it is. We thank you guys for tuning in. Please share, tell a friend, like, rate us on Apple Podcasts or whatever the platform you're listening to. Um, Feel free to write us, message us, ask us any questions. Uh, We're wide open. Um, And that's what it is. Instagram handle. Instagram handle is at the Black Russian Podcast. It's there. Back to the original handle. And uh, we're around. And we're here for you. Mm -hmm. So I am Tianbu one signing off.
2: And I am Yula, following your lead.
0: Yes. Remember, write your own vows, write your own script.
2: And fight for your freedom. Fight for your freedom. Oh, my God, I get so feisty. If you need feist, come my way.
0: Yes. And along with fighting for your freedom, fight to be able to accommodate someone else's freedom. Because a lot of times we want our freedom, but we don't want to give other people their freedom. So let's all get better at that. That's the next episode. Yeah, let's all get better at that. All right, enjoy the tunes. We out.
1: You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why is it step close, you know? Cause you see it and I see it, you girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone like you, someone like you. Someone like you, someone like you. Someone like you, someone like you. Hold me tight so that I won't forget. Cause every girl that I have been with, they don't know me yet. So I'm Mm -hmm. over it. The way it's worth it, we should go for it. For if we try, we shall not fail. And hence, we won't regret. So, oh, it's so many sleepless nights with you resting on my see in my only dream that I find someone like you 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 someone like you